In this episode, I chat with Stephen Krause, a small business ownership expert, about how to get yourself unstuck from things that get in your way. Welcome back. I hope you had a nice break. Got a good stretch after that work time we just had. I'm here with Stephen Krause. How are you to do? How are you doing today, Stephen? I'm well, thank you. How, how are you, Megan? Good. Getting my tongue going this morning on a Monday. Um, so thank you for joining us today. Um, you know, after our getting ourselves unstuck work session. I think one of the things that comes up as I'm working during this time is always, well, what do I do if I don't know what to do next? And you and I have talked, the best way to get yourself unstuck is to just take action and find a way to take a step forward. So let's talk a little bit today. What are some concrete steps that people can take that really do help move a business forward, even if you're not quite sure the direction? Absolutely. So, um, when we talked about this, I, I, I came up with kind of three scenarios where business owners get stuck. One is we get stuck on revenue generation. We get stuck on cash and we get stuck on people. Right. And so I thought we'd go through each one of those things and just kind of talk about what we can do in a specific case with each one. And, and they're all going to be variants on a theme, which, and the theme is going to be taking action on a plan. Um, but it is really important to focus on the action or you'll fall into what I call plan procrastination and, and uh, you end up planning and not acting uh, and planning can feel like a lot of work and it can make you feel really good, but it doesn't actually do anything until you take action on the plan. So that's something I really think is important. But uh, when we talk about, you know, so let's, let's take uh, sales and revenue, as the first thing, um, you know, obviously you have to go into what your business does in order to say, okay, what is the best action? So while it would be really nice to be able to come to you and say, okay, you've got to make three phone calls yeah. that may or may not be appropriate for your business. So the first step is, and we've talked about this before is to go through and identify what you need to do to drive your business forward and make that plan. But then what you have to do and it is really dig in and say, okay, what is the action step that I can take based on my plan? So if we go through revenue and we say, okay, for example, I'm a small business owner. I've, I've been running for a couple of years, but maybe I've been kind of either I got into business. Um, you know, you might, you might have someone uh, contact you and say, hey, I know you're good at this. Could you help me out? And all of a sudden this becomes something that you do for a living, um, which is awesome until you need to grow. And then you're like, OK, all of this stuff was falling in my lap and now I need to pay rent on a on an office space and I can't wait for people to come falling into my lap. So how do I generate revenue or you might have um, a product that you're trying to drive forward? And, um, you know, it might be a better mousetrap, but, uh, as we've talked about before, just because you build a better mousetrap doesn't mean the world will beat a path to your door. So, uh, if we take the, the first case where you're a service provider and 
you're um, you've got a core group of people that maybe needed you for the first year or six months or 18 months, whatever. And now you've got them in a comfortable place. Well, that's awesome for your customers, but it leaves you a little bit high and dry when it comes to revenue. And so the first thing is to say, you know, well, let's, let's just take, if you've got 18 months under your belt and you've been talking to, and, and you've been working with a number of clients, the first low hanging fruit is get referrals from them, right? Um, now that has to be delicately handled. Mm -hmm especially based on on or dependent on what your what business you're in you know if you're if you're um, a healthcare provider referrals can get a little bit iffy um, but if you're generally speaking if you're a business consultant or an accountant or or uh, an hr professional or something like that or a plumber or electrician mm -hmm. um, you can contact your existing employees and if they were happy with your work, find a way to incentivize them to provide you with referrals. Now, the, and, and again, this is something that has to be done in a way that you don't alienate the people you're contacting by sounding pushy or uh, disingenuous. Um, and, and so you have to kind of work through that. I have had experiences with, um, uh, colleagues who were friends and they pushed that boundary a little too far. And, and the honest truth is we don't hang out with them anymore. Oh. So, um, you know, you have to understand the boundaries you have with people and respect them, uh, or you put those relationships at risk. So, you know, one of the first thing that people do is they go oh, talk to your friends and family Okay, but um, understand that those relationships are complex, especially family, uh, and you you risk introducing um, uh, dynamics that maybe you don't actually want. You also, when you give when somebody gives you a reference, they're putting their name on the line for you. And so you need to make sure that you understand the commitment that they are making because they're saying, yeah, Steve does a great job. And then if I go in and I don't do a great job, um, that could impact a relationship that you are not involved with. Right. So you don't want to be that, that provider who, who torpedoed someone, you know, especially if you, if your services or your product is expensive. You know, um, that can, that can be a big deal. So the, the, you know, and we, so, so you just need to understand the nature of your, um, product or service and, and where did you get your first customers? If we're talking about revenue, if, and, and, and so if it's, if it's, I got them on LinkedIn, well, okay, let's go back to that. Well, and see if we can get more. If you got them through no fault of your own because yep. they just landed in your lap, you can't rely on that. But you can say, um, "What's uh, what's common between the the five customers that I have had or the ten customers that I have had? What's what unifies them 
in a way that I can now go look for additional people like that. And that's the planning part. But the, the, what we're talking about today is breaking that down to action. And that may be, um, if you're very fortunate and you can isolate the demographics of your audience, mm -hmm. you can run an ad because now in this day and age, uh, on LinkedIn and Facebook and all of the social media, uh, uh, companies, you can run ads on very specific demographics. Um, but you have to understand those demographics for your business and, and what those people brought to you or what brought them, what brought them to you. Right. So, um, I guess just to tie up that, that thought with revenue, it really comes down to understanding your business, where you got your customers, how that relates to where you can get new customers, and then breaking that down into action and yeah. taking it. And that, that takes courage right there, you know, and, and I would argue, well, each of these takes its own kind of courage. I was going to say revenue takes the most courage, but that's not true because when you talk about HR and we'll get to that in a few yeah. minutes, that that's probably the one that takes the most courage for me and everybody's going to be different. Right. Um, but, but it really comes down to having a plan that is appropriate for your business and, and breaking it down into what you can actually do and saying, okay, today I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. Even if, honestly, if, if you're intimidated by making sales calls and that's the right thing, mm -hmm. make one, make one. Yep. you know, make one. And, and then when you don't die, then tomorrow you can make another one or two. Yeah. And, and <laughs> you know, obviously if you can, if you can uh, build up that muscle a little faster, that's better. But I would rather somebody made one sales call per day and did it yep. than ran ads all day long, spent all that money and never got revenue and then wondered why, because it wasn't the right solution for their the right business. Ad. Yeah, right? that, that's, that is great. That you, especially with revenue, you figure out what's your right action and then take it. Yep. And do Absolutely. that action. So that yeah especially with revenue so what was the next i know people was the, the, third, one, the second one yeah let's let's talk a little bit about cash um yeah you know that's that's a frequent struggle for for entrepreneurs and small business owners mm -hmm. um and the when we don't have enough uh it's really easy to go okay i'm gonna ignore that until tomorrow right and i i will just be a hundred percent frank that's not a good idea. All right. The best <laughs> thing in the world to do if you have cash problems is address it that day. Yep. Right. Um, and, and putting off a cash problem in favor of sales sounds like maybe it's a good idea because if you get the sales, then you don't have to deal with the cash problem. But the truth is for most of us, the the sales cycle is not going to fix a cash problem um the other thing is if your cash problem is overspending then you're relying on your sales cycle to fix a systemic problem so the best thing to do there is to back up and say okay 
what is my what is my fiscal position and it's gonna it it i'm not gonna say it's gonna hurt but it can it can it can, yeah. it can put you in a it and it can be very fear inducing mm -hmm. for business owners which is why we say okay i'm not gonna look at that and i'm just gonna do something different yeah um so there's a couple of things that we can do that are concrete actions that you can take one is to set up a budget mm -hmm. and when when i say budget i'm not talking about the budget that your accountant might talk about okay um you you can do that mm -hmm. but a lot of small business owners are not going to do it they're not going to sit down and write okay i'm going to spend 27 dollars on office supplies and 68 dollars on my yeah. electricity bill or whatever um what i'm saying is break it down and say, how much am I spending on raw materials? How much am I spending on people? How much am I spending on marketing and advertising? Break it down into super broad, and then maybe facilities, mm -hmm. break it down into super broad categories. And then look at, you are gonna have to dig in and say, why is this one costing me this much? All right. and. If you're using an accounting system, generally speaking, you can print a profit and loss statement and you'll see where you're spending money. And if you do it over time, you'll see the trends, right? So you can do, you know, a comparison of this quarter versus last quarter. Um, sometimes it's, and, and that's one way to do it, or this year to last year. Um, sometimes it's better to look at expenses month to month to month over the entire year. And depending on your accounting system, you're going to have to figure out how to do that. Um, you know, how to create that report and you might need help, yep. right? You might need, uh, uh, an accountant who can, who can help you break that report down or get into, uh, you know, QuickBooks or Sage or whatever you're using and create a report if it's not native to that platform. But, um, the first thing to do when you have a cash problem is understand it. Mm -hmm right? You cannot fix what you don't understand. So, uh, and, and you, and, and the, the idea of throwing revenue at it is it, it just means you're always going to be struggling with revenue because you don't understand your cash position. So if you go in and, and figure out what your cash looks like and where your expenses are, then you can go back and say, all right, now I am spending you know, for most of us, facilities and, and people are our most expensive things. Yep. Um, now, for service-based businesses, your cost of goods are going to are likely going to also, you know, be a pretty big chunk of, of your revenue but or uh, of your expenses. But um, we all want to do the best thing that we can for our people. But people, and, and I'm not trying to be flippant here, but people are expensive. They are. Okay. Yep. Uh, especially now, if you don't qualify, if you, if you qualify to provide that you have to provide health insurance, mm -hmm. that's a, a pretty big expense. Mm -hmm. If you don't qualify and you choose not to, you may not be competitive, right? No. You may yeah. not get good people. Yep. So, um, and, and so all of those things kind of filter into, um, you know, how does, how does the, the expense of, of human resources impact your business? And the reality is 
you can't help anyone if you go out of business. Yes. So, and, and there are times when we as business owners have to say, we have to do an ugly thing, which is let people go in order to keep the business afloat so that the people who remain still have jobs. And it, there is probably, and we'll talk about this with HR in a minute, but there's really probably no worse feeling that I've had as a business owner than having to let people go. Um, you feel like a failure because if I was running the business right, I wouldn't have had to let these people go. Um, and uh, you realize that that the people have are are counting on you for your for their livelihood. Uh, you know, and so there's there are a lot of difficult feelings that go through that. Um, so that's one thing. Uh, is is the human cost. Your cost of goods you can look at and look at where are you sourcing, you know, and can you work with your vendors and get costs down on, on some of your raw materials. And facilities and and things like that, I mean, can you turn down your thermostat? Okay, but that's generally a marginal improvement, right? I would do that to be more environmentally friendly, <laughs> not, not because I was trying to chase every penny. Yeah. Um, if you're turning down your thermostat to save money as a business owner, you probably have other things you need to look at more systemic. Yes. That's the truth. Um, so, uh, the, I had something else I was going to mention, but now it has escaped me, I guess, right. (laughs) We can, maybe we can come back to it anyway. Do you have any, any questions or thoughts about, about, uh, no, the cash. uh, Well, what I think was interesting, what you pointed out is it's not just, Hey, you know, one, it's acknowledging I have a cash flow problem, but it's really, where is that? Like, where's the leak? Where can I save money? You know, I know you were talking about humans sometimes in a solopreneur aspect. I do. I see this one a lot because I do bookkeeping. I've got five softwares that do the same thing and I'm paying for them all. And you really just, that's just one way, you know, oh my gosh, why is my software expense 500 a month? Because when you're signing up, it's 15 here, 15 there, 15, and you don't think about it. And then there's redundancies. Yep. So that's another thing for solopreneurs is to look at, hey, could I just eliminate something I'm either not using, not using fully, or don't need? And so yep. such a great way, yeah. It's not just your revenue. That's the sales and what's going to come in. But it's that actual physical, what cash, hard cash do I have in the bank to work with now? And if that's a problem all the time, you got to address it. Yeah. Super important. Well, and you bring up, a, I, I just think it's funny. I, I have um, uh, the Microsoft Office suite that I absolutely never use anymore because I use Google. And and this is not an advertisement for Google or nope. a, or, or a uh, slight against Microsoft's products. But... Um, you know, I question whether or not I should keep using or keep paying for Microsoft suite because for my purposes, I don't need it. Right. And so, but that's something you have to go through each, each of your providers and say, okay, is this something that's important to my business? Um, and you're right. You sign up for one and every one of them is 15 bucks a month and, and, or, or 20 or whatever. And then you kind of go back and go, okay, do I really need that? The other thing is user seats, right? Well, yeah. 
And, and if you, if you do have a change in your staffing, make sure you get on all of your services and, and adjust it so that you're only using, uh, only paying for the seats that you need. One thing I was going to, I, I remembered what I was going to talk uh -huh. about. Um, and this is something that people don't want to do, but, uh, if you're running into a cash crunch, call your vendors mm -hmm. on the phone with your voice. Don't send them an email. I mean, you can send them an email and say, hey, I'd like to set up a meeting and talk with you, mm -hmm. but but never, my personal belief is never give bad news over email. Yeah. Right? And so the, the idea is to open up a dialogue with the vendors that you owe money to and say, hey, okay, paraphrasing here, each, each situation is different. I'm having money problems. I need to pay you later. How can we work that out? Yep. Right. And obviously you need to couch that with better wordsmithing. Well, that's okay. Yeah. But, but people, you know, anybody who's supplying small business knows that small businesses have cash crunches. Yep. Okay. Uh, so my, my point is if you want to have a good relationship with your vendors, not paying them is not the same as calling them up and having a, a conversation where they are now complicit in you not paying them yep. right away. Right. We say, okay, I need two more weeks. I need to get paid by my customer, whatever. So call and have a conversation with them. If they're not safe to call and have a conversation with them, uh, deal with it however you can and replace the vendor and replace that. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, that's it. Um, the, the, uh, one thing people might talk about is getting a line of credit and you and I have, I think we've talked a little <laughs> bit about credit. Um, yeah, be careful. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to say never use credit because that's not, I'm not, uh, uh, in that necessarily in that school of thought, but you have to be really, really careful about credit as a small business owner. First of all, because credit is a slippery slope and a lot of times, we personally secure it, right? In order yep. to support our business. Yep. So if you're, you know, you end up getting a line of credit for $50,000 and you suck it dry and now you still have a cash problem. Now you're personally on the hook for that money. And, uh, you know, and you're no better off because you didn't really address no this yeah. situation. So, so I, think, I think you're right. Addressing the underlying issue of the cash problem before trying to solve it is really what that action is in cash is to say, where am I bleeding cash? How can I address that? And then, okay, how can I increase my sales? How can I increase the revenue so I can not have that in the future? But if you never fix the problem, like a leaky pipe, you're just going to have issues forever. Yep. So 100%. So then, well, Oh, go ahead. Was people the third one? I think you yeah, said, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Let's talk about that. We get stuck, um, and, and the example that comes to mind for me is we either get stuck not having enough people, which is not an uncommon problem for, for small business owners, or we have someone on our team who isn't quite making the grade, and uh, we're in this position of having a very uncomfortable conversation with somebody which we avoid. And we hope that they'll fix it, right? We go, okay, well, if I just don't talk to them and I don't make eye contact when they're at the coffee pot and they'll fix it because they're 
going to eventually be a responsible adult or, um, and that's, you know, that's a kind of a bad assumption on, on, on my part in the conversation because you don't know what's going on with them. You don't. Yeah. Right? So when you're having an employee, for, when, when you're having not enough employees, that's, you know, I, I would say, unless you just have, I'm not even going to say that. Forget. <laughs> that. <laughs> Don't even go there. <laughs> um, if you're not sure that your revenue will support another permanent position, find temporary help. Yep. Okay. Call a temporary, uh, an agency, which is personally my preference because they have to do all the work. Then um, you can bring people on part time, mm -hmm. you know, and, and deal with that. Um, but I like to have the agencies you do pay. I yep. mean, you pay what 30% over their salary or something for, for them to make a profit or whatever and pay expenses. But, um, they do the first level vetting for you mm -hmm. and they do the recruiting for you, which as a business owner is huge. Yeah. Right. Um, I do not want to go through 400 res resumes, uh, from indeed to fill a part-time position. Nope. Right. I would much rather have a staffing company send me over five and say, Hey, these are our five best for what you told us. Mm -hmm. When can we schedule interviews? Yeah. And then, and then now in this day and age, um, you know, you can schedule interviews on zoom yep. or, or some other video yep. conference, uh, and, and do at least the first level of interviews in, you know, very conveniently. Yes. So, when it comes to bringing on extra people, I think the best thing to do, uh, like I said, if you're unsure that your revenue is going to support a permanent uh, assignment, um, is to bring on temporary and part-time help uh, or contract it out, you know, not even as part of your company, but um, say, you know, I am spending too much time doing bookkeeping, so I'm gonna have Megan help me out or someone else, you know, um, and so find a way to uh, get that done by someone that isn't you and and then get it done and then you can move on to do whatever you need to. So that's the first thing. When it comes to the issues we have with performance, um, that's something you we really don't wanna engage, but it really impacts the business because you have that person's performance, which impacts the business in whatever negative way it is, whether they're a customer service rep that isn't nice to your customers or they're a produ uh, production uh, specialist who isn't getting their share of the work done. Um, but they're, they're also impacting the business because other people see it yeah. and they see you not doing anything about it. And they may never change their own standards but they're always going to feel like they're holding that person up, right? That, that they're working and that person's, uh, getting the benefit. Yeah. So we have to, and this come, this is where it comes down to the action step. And that is, we have to sit down and have a conversation. And again, we do not text, Hey, you need to work more hours or, or, uh, uh, you know, dude, your breaks are too long. Yeah. That's not a text conversation. It's not a, an email conversation. 
as a business owner, you do not have the luxury of that kind of barrier. Yeah, no. You have to take responsibility for your own business, but you also have to do it professionally and legally. And so, yes, well, <laughs> you know, legally. Yeah. Well, well, and, and if you're not experienced with HR or you're not experienced with this particular situation, whatever it is, you need to contact somebody who is, yep. and there are, you know, uh, certainly in Northern Colorado, there are a number of HR professionals that are contract workers, um, or services that can help, you yeah. know, if you've got a specific issue that's coming up, um, or if you know, or you believe that an employee cannot make the changes they need to, to stay, how do you pursue getting to the point of termination without putting your business at risk? At risk. Yep. And, and that's not always as easy as it sounds. You know, you, you can't just say you're fired. I, you can, this is a work at will state. So mm -hmm. you can say you're fired, but if you don't have a well-documented trail of performance reviews and um, notifications where you say you have been working 30 hours, you're required to work 32, I need you to change that. If you can't document that that's the case, um, you can put yourself at risk uh, of, e even if it's a frivolous lawsuit, Yep. lawsuits are expensive. They are. Right? And we don't want to, we don't want to go down that road. And you put yourself at risk of, of someone either genuinely or mistakenly believe that you are prejudiced against them because of a protected class. Uh, so if you let a, a person over 65 go because they weren't coming to work, you know, that could cause you an issue. Yeah. And, um, and one thing that a, an HR professional might be able to help you with is to say, Hey, you know, you are treating this class differently than you're treating your other employees. Have you thought about that? But, yeah. Well, we're coming to the end of our time and you you do bring up some great points about in HR, you have to to deal with the situation and that means a conversation because sometimes when we didn't say this but sometimes it is that human is having stuff going on and you need to know that yep. so steve thank you so much for joining us and showering us with all your wisdom about how to unstick our businesses for those watching on replay please make sure that if you do want to connect with steve um, just to get some mentoring help to unstick yourself in your own business, please connect with him through Flow Working um, on his expert page. Join us every Monday morning for our mastermind and for the expert advice we get from Steve. So thank you so much for your time today, Steve. We will see you next Monday. My pleasure, Megan.